You are listening to the Engineering Ignition podcast, your weekly insight into the engineering sector. Sponsored by Bonfire Recruitment, helping engineering leaders across the UK to attract the best talent for their engineering company. Ignite your business or career today by visiting www.bonfireengineering.com. Here's your host, Scott Buchanan. Welcome to this week's edition of the Engineering Ignition Podcast with myself, Scott Buchanan. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Rhys Brown, who is a process engineer at Galliford Tri. And today, we are going to talk about our hot topic, which is energy from waste. Welcome to the podcast, Rhys. How are you doing? All right. How are you, Scott? I'm all right. First day of sunshine in Scotland today. We're doing okay. <laughs> Good. So today our hot topic is energy from waste, um, and I believe you are well-placed and in a position to give a little bit of depth on, on how that is relevant now. I mean, can, can you give me an idea of what energy from waste actually is? So um, energy from waste in the wastewater sector generally involves um, the digestion of volatile solids, organic matter, under anaerobic conditions, so that is without oxygen, to produce biogas. And then that biogas is used to run a gas gas engine to produce electricity. It can also be used for other applications such as injection into the um, national grid or um, can be used to power vehicles, buses and lorries, etc. Wow. So are you saying at the moment then this this computer that we are using to talk to each other could well be, be used by, by waste energy? Is that the case? Yeah. Um, uh, waste energy makes up a small proportion of the UK's energy mix. Excellent. It could be a lot greater, though. <laughs> we have utilised a very small amount of the um, energy from waste that is available to us. Yeah, it's interesting. I think we'll, we'll delve into that a little bit later on. I mean, how viable is it, though? I mean, at the moment, I mean, is is it is it viable for, for companies? I mean, is the technology there? Um, yeah, it's very viable. So uh, the, the water sector has taken up energy from waste in a massive way because there's such an incentive for them there because the, um, the main driver is the landfill tax. So they get charged £100 per tonne of, of waste to landfill. So they want to reduce that amount as 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 much as they can. Okay. So in um, in digesting your your waste, you massively reduce the volume of end product. Mm-hmm. And then if you apply a, a treatment process such as hydrolysis, which is technology which I've got, had some experience with over the last few years, mm-hmm. you also um, as well as further reducing the volume of end waste, you also sterilize it so it's safe to apply to uh, agricultural land. So you don't have to send any, anything to landfill. Excellent, which is really, that's going to save them a fortune on their, their tax, I guess. I mean, <laughs> what, what, what's, the, um, what's the disadvantages then? I mean, what's uh, the fallout, if any? Uh, well, Obviously, there's a capital cost. They're quite um, technologically advanced items. And uh, the complexity of the process itself, you need to train up all your operators to maintain and run the equipment. 
Um, as well as that, there's the pre-treatment requirements. So you have to filter out any rag or grit that can enter your system because it will, the, the grit will abrase any pumps or valves, and then the rag will block up any valves or small bore pipes. Okay, so leading into that, then it's it's almost treating it like a a, a proper factory, and, and I'm del- deliberately choosing the word factory in that it needs to be maintained correctly, or else it's not going to work and it's not going to be productive. Is that fair? Yeah. yeah. Super. And how have you ended up, you know, in the position that you're doing, Reese? I mean, how how have you fallen into to waste energy? Um, waste <laughs> <laughs> well. I guess to give myself some background, I um, I studied physics at uni, and uh, part of what drew me to physics really was space, like a lot of people who decide to pick physics, but it was the environmental modules that I enjoyed most. And um, so I I got some work experience with uh, a company called Mpure as a student, sampling uh, municipal waste. Uh, uh, on site, and I wrote a report on the viscosity of municipal waste. And then, after graduating with my degree in physics, I uh, got a job as a graduate process engineer with InterServe. <laughs> and I just, I just really loved it. You know, you're helping the environment, yeah. you're uh, reducing pollution, and um, you're producing clean power as well. It's, it's lovely. <laughs> it's incredible. And I, I know you're you're now chartered, a chartered chemical engineer coming from physics, which is is very, you know, well done you. Um and, and as you know, it shows you that your your passion for that is is there. Um interesting. So so what what have you learned? I mean, if, if before we delve into I guess our hot topic, but you know, when you've fallen into not fallen in, when you've chosen to look at energy from waste, and you've looked at that piece with an interserve. I mean, what was the, the main learning curves you had at that point? When I when I started work with interserve, yeah, um... because you've you've come from a you've came from a physics background, and yeah. then you're looking at something completely different, I guess. But with I guess the educational piece in your head coming from a physics background, yeah. mathematics. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I I spent a lot of time improving my knowledge of uh, fluid mechanics and hydraulics and uh, working on uh, thermodynamics. So the, the fluid mechanics would be for sizing pumps and thermodynamics would be for heat exchanges. Uh, it's more, so physics is more theoretical, whereas now I'm a chemical engineer. I have to apply things to real life situations, you know. And, but that's, I enjoy that more. I enjoy the... You know, you spend so many years designing a plant and then you get to site and you commission it and you see, you know, you actually physically hold what you've you've spent so many months designing. It's really rewarding. Super. And so what does that actually mean then? So I guess, look, in, in my experience, I, I remember um, working with a number of clients where biomass was the, the new up-and-coming, you know, energy solution. But at that point, now I'm probably talking a good 10 years ago now, um, whereby there wasn't really, you couldn't go to shop and buy a biomass plant. You, you, you had to go and buy the plant, you know, the, 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 the pieces of machinery, I guess, to work together to create the biomass plant. And, and the output yeah. of that was either a very inefficient scenario 
or a dangerous scenario in some cases where there was plenty of fires happening. So, I mean, what, what has changed or where was the starting point of where we were versus where we are now? I mean, what, what um, I think I think there's more specialist suppliers now than there was 10 years ago. For example, um, thermal hydrolysis. Uh, I can think of at least half a dozen people who specialise in that kind of equipment. Um, maybe now it's still not a case that you could buy a biomass plant off a shelf. Okay. I think they always have to be tailor-made for every scenario because the it's just the nature of wastewater and uh, municipal waste that it, is, it varies. Uh, so you always have to create a bespoke item to some degree. But that's where people like myself and my colleagues come in because we we bring together all these specialist suppliers who do heat exchanges, pumps, um, digesters and uh, centrifuges. And we tie it all together end to end and ensure that it works. Yeah, and I guess that's where the, again, not dissimilar to the factory scenario again, where you've got yeah. a team of, of individuals. Um, when you're, so I mean, you, you've done both, my understanding is you've done both the commissioning piece, but also the design piece as well. I mean, are you able to, I guess, enlighten, you know, some, some people will be aware of, you know, energy from waste, but not necessarily aware of what the, the challenges are, what needs to happen within that. Are you able to elaborate on that for me, please? Yeah. Um, so. I think pre-treatment is always key with energy from waste. So, um, for example, while I was commissioning, uh, one of the sites I spent a number of years designing and commissioning, um, we had uh, a period of time where a lot of uh, the pipe work became blocked and um, a couple of the bursting discs blew, which was obviously not ideal. Um, so I had to sample a lot of the the uh, sludge and uh, sieve it out and it ended up transpiring that we had a load of wool <laughs> coming into the works. So the wool had obviously ranked up, even though you filter it out because uh, it's shaped, you know, it's, it's, it's like a piece of string. So you can apply a filter, it will pass through the filter yeah, and then re rewind in the pump, pumps downstream or... Uh, paddle mixes or whatever you've got centrifuges sure. and then you end up with like a a big jumper blocking up your valves and what, what's the output of that then what happens at that well, point you, you have to ensure that the catchment that um feeds into your your process uh isn't discharging uh fluids that are out of specification you have to you, if you're gonna you can't just discharge a load of chemicals or a load of, uh, well, wool in this case, into your catchment without first alerting the authorities. Yeah, so the, there's a, the environmental challenges kick in there as well. Um, interesting. So, and and when you're designing a biomass plant, because, I mean, look, there's probably the good thing about whether it's a biomass or a, a digestion plant, or it, it, you know, it doesn't it doesn't matter. But you could be a farmer with plenty of land, you know, that way, and you've you've got you know you've got that there. Um, but is it? I mean, is it viable? Is it cost viable? How? I mean, how? What, what investment versus return needs to happen? And and I guess what is the the running cost within all that to make it you know work? Um, so the viability is that. You, know, you avoid landfill tax again. Yeah. Um, 
the the incentive is that you can produce about uh, one megawatt per ton of dry uh, solids. Okay. So that's a significant amount of power, okay. and you usually end up not having. You can even export power to the grid, so you can you can make your whole process completely self sufficient mm -hmm. as far as power consumption. And sewage treatment works are power hungry processes, <laughs> so that's something saving a lot of money there. And then you could even some some sites you could even export as well. Good. And and have you? I don't know whether you will have been exposed to this because you're you're obviously focused on what you do. Um, mm. How competitive is it between? other renewable energy sources? Do you know that way? What's to stop the farmer going and get some solar panels or, you know, a turbine or whatever? I mean, how, how does it all fit in? Uh, what I'd say to that is I think it, I think it's best to have a mix of renewable energy sources. So, yes, the, the, the farmer could uh, cover, cover his a field or two in solar panels, uh, wind turbines. But if he has livestock, he still has the issue of all the waste that the livestock produce. Mm -hmm. And you, you you can't just allow that to run off into the river. You have to you have to control it nowadays. Mm -hmm. So if he's got that that issue, why not make it a a um, resource for himself? Why not digest it and produce power? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And is there any? I don't know. Is is there any new technology within what you do that's coming along or might be getting developed that that maybe you know? advantageous to, to what the industry is yeah so uh one thing i've heard about is that um the thermal hydrolysis process which is um break, uh, breaking down uh volatile matter under high temperature and high pressure to make it more readily digestible and hence produce uh, more power and uh remove more solids um one idea currently is that rather than having your thermal hydrolysis plant upstream of your digester, mm -hmm. you um, insert it downstream of your di digester and then have a second, much smaller digester downstream of that plant. So the benefit in doing that is, is that you, you break down a significant proportion of the biosolids in the first digester, which are readily biodegradable. And then all the solids that haven't been broken down by the first digester uh, are hydrolyzed in your thermal hydrolysis plant and then broken down in the second digester. So in doing that, you don't need as big a thermal hydrolysis plant because it's only sized for the the more stubborn matter. You don't, you know, you're not you're not putting it upstream of the first digester. So you save on capital cost and you save on running cost too. So you end you end up with more power available to either run your plant or export to the grid. Wow, and that that says everything. It sounds like a win-win scenario all round. I mean, is there any what is is there disadvantages within that at all? I mean, what's the maybe case or something? I don't know. You, the capex would be slightly higher because you do have to install a second digester. Mm -hmm. But a lot of existing plants have two digest, digestion stages anyway because they're from decades ago when you didn't have thermal hydrolysis at all, so you had for primary and secondary digestion instead. So you could just insert your, your thermal hydrolysis plant in between those two stages. But, I mean, uh, the payback is, is faster anyway from what I've seen on pilot studies. So although your capex might be higher, you pay it back in a quicker time. 
That sounds awesome. And is that, I mean, is that the future then? I mean, is is that the way things are going, or is there there's a other angles within all that? Well, I also hope that the the water sector becomes a um, not just a provider of clean water and a, a treatment facility for wastewater. I I hope that they start making real use of all the um, products that are in wastewater rather than just spreading them on land. So most treatment plants currently, they don't remove any of the um, microplastic from wastewater. They don't remove any of the drugs from wastewater. And those are all just spread on land or incinerated or something, you know. So I, the way I'd like things to go in the future is to be people to see that as a resource. So we, we recycle all of the waste, the plastics, the drugs that we, we emit in our wastewater. We, we obviously sterilize them. <laughs> and then we <laughs> use right, them again. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, that, and that's really, yeah, no, you're, you're speaking, you know, a lot of sense. I mean, if you take the, the concept of, I guess, hydroelectric power, whereby, you know, it's, it's constantly there, but actually think about how often it's really, I mean, I don't know too many new versions of that that's come along. And actually, if you think of what you do and what, you know, within anaerobic digestion and, and waste from energy, you could, there's nothing stopping additional, you know, pieces of the, the energy jigsaw coming together. Um, yeah. especially for the environment. Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, super, I really appreciate taking the time to talk with me today. Um, and that brings us to the end of, of this week's um, Engineering Ignition podcast. Thanks for listening to the Engineering Ignition podcast. If you've made it this far, we take it that you enjoyed the show. In return, we'd love it if you'd leave us a rating and review on iTunes. Subscribe while you're there and we'll catch you for the next episode.